All right, everybody. So we have Joey Zatmary with us today. He's a popular guy on YouTube and Instagram, a longtime lifting career. And for his charity donation today, we're doing Lenny Lifts. So can you just give a brief explanation of that? Yeah. So uh, I actually started this really small Facebook group called the Iron Lions, and it was for my personal training clients at the time. And there were probably less than like 20 people in this group. And I had this idea and I don't know why I didn't do it earlier, but just to open it up to the general public. So I think literally like two weeks ago, I had opened this up and I had just put a couple feelers out on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. And within a week, we have almost 600 people already in there with this group. It's a really cool community uh, brought together by people who are involved with strength sports. Uh, so we talk training talk, form checks, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but getting to the point anyway, I wanted to really find something I could do to give back, right? Just to everybody that's helped me or supported me. And I always look for a cause. Uh, and someone in the group was a big advocate for autism awareness. And I thought that was really cool that we can take someone from that Facebook group, um, give to his own made uh, charity, and it would go towards autism and just bring everybody from the strength community together. So we're going to do an event March 16th, uh, which is called Raising the Bar for Awareness. And that's for our annual, starting this year, uh, Pride Liftoff for anybody in the group or that I've met from YouTube, social media, whatever, my gym, to come together uh, through strength and really just raise awareness for that cause. Uh, so that's what we're going to be donating towards. Um, we have a lot of cool speakers that are going to be there or uh, in the um, you know world of autism. And it's just going to be an amazing day. So I'm super pumped uh, to be able to host that and give back and, uh, you know, get on here and, and share with others. So hopefully it'll keep going every single year and grow and get bigger and bigger. Uh, but it's really cool. And it's a good feeling to give back. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I really like when people have a, a cause that they really stand behind like that. So, of course, that's where my donation will be. And then I'll have a, a link in the comment section below, too. Awesome. So, uh, like you said, you've been doing the uh, lifting thing for a long time. Can you just give a little bit of your background for people who might not know you? Yeah, I'll try to condense this. I was kind of, it's like a rabbit hole you just opened up. But uh, so I guess, uh, long story short, growing up, I, unfortunately, what you see now is not what I look like as a kid. I had a lot of self-confidence problems. I was always like the gay best friend to all the girls. Like I couldn't get a girlfriend. Uh, and I remember my next door neighbor had opened up a martial arts studio and I wasn't really into sports. I was always into video games. Like I love video games still to this day. So I was a big gamer, uh, but my parents encouraged me to go check out some martial arts because my dad had done it when he was younger. You know, it was really good uh, just to build some character and overall uh, just traits that would probably benefit me down the road. And I'm really happy that he did that. So I ended up joining doing martial arts, uh, got my black belt. And that was like one of my first younger, biggest commitment things. And that taught me a lot of those disciplines of just humility, hard work, integrity, you know, working with other people and just putting like everything I had into something. Because if you get a black belt or anything else, probably that, that takes, you know, years of an investment of your time, you really have to keep pushing for that. So I got involved with that. And really through martial arts, it kind of taught me some basic principles of fitness, you know, doing body weight movements. Uh, you know, I was getting very flexible, which was really cool at the time and kind of like self-awareness. And then after that, uh, I kind of gave sports a bit of a try again because I wasn't really into sports, you know, early on. And then after martial arts, I figured, you know, I have a little bit more athleticism now. Let me try to do this. And I uh, play a little bit of everything, you know, soccer. I, the only thing I didn't ever play was uh, was baseball. I'm not, I'm not all baseball. Uh, in basketball, I can't shoot or dribble. Uh, so I'm kind of that big guy just standing in front, like trying to just like get the rebounds. Right. All the time. Um, but anyway, 
So that kind of led to lacrosse, and lacrosse was a sport that I really enjoyed. And when I first started, I wasn't that great at it, but I was into it. Um, so I really started working hard at getting better. Like every day I would say after practice or, you know, just try to like get a, a couple extra drills in and get better and better. And uh, I excelled pretty well at that. And that was probably when I was in middle school and then uh, throughout high school and eventually to college. Um, and I also did football as well. So like football and lacrosse were my two main sports. Really love that. And, uh, you know, at the same time, too, I was trying to apply everything that I learned young in school because I wasn't like an A student. You know, I really had to work hard at trying to just learn and figure out how I learn. Um, so that's kind of what at a young age it kind of instilled into me. It was just that hard work ethic. You know, when you pick something, really try to pursue it and get into it. And then uh, once I was in college, I went to Albright College and I was studying criminal psychology and I was on the lacrosse team at Albright. Uh, and I kind of had this weird, like, epiphany moment where I was just really confused on what I wanted to do with my life, which is weird being the guy, you know, a lot of people looked up to, um, you know, I was excelling really well in school and I was like, I'm going to go into the FBI and I'm going to have a nice house and I have a family. Like I'm going to be married by the time I'm this age. Like I thought I knew all that. And it was, yeah, it was really yeah. for me to have that moment of like, I don't even know what I'm doing with my life. Uh, I don't know where I want to go. Um, so it was kind of just strange. And I ended up coming back home and uh, getting a, a job at Giant uh, Food Store, making like produce, fruit trays, and just trying to figure myself out for a while. It was really weird, like I said, just kind of not ever having that mindset to now like sitting there like, where do we go from here? Um, but throughout, I would say that whole process, I was always involved with the gym, like somehow. And it was, you know, I started off doing like push-ups and sit-ups and squats in my bedroom at home just to lose weight and be more appealing to girls at school. Like I remember in one summer I was like, I'm going to lose weight. And when I show up to school, like I want girls to actually take me seriously now. Like I don't want them to just confide in me. Like I want them to be like, man, like we want Joey as a boyfriend. You know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> like a boost my confidence type thing. I always tell the funny stories to do uh, sit ups in the shower. So like my mom and dad didn't know like what I was doing. I was just like, I remember every morning I get in the shower and start crunching and doing sit ups and, I was like, I don't, now I look back, I'm like, you're an idiot. Like, what were you even doing? <laughs> I was trying to keep this, like, secret operation I was going on. Uh, but, yeah, so when I, I got uh, out of college and I was working at that uh, produce gig at Giant, uh, a family friend that I had at the time was opening up a private, uh, more like a small business of a gym. So it was a lot different than the L.A. Fitnesses, Retro Fitness type deal. It was more just something different. Uh, and at that time, CrossFit was having a pretty big boom. So... I ended up helping them pretty much establish their gym and kind of got saw the ins and out of business. And during that time, I got to get my feet wet. I got to train. It was really cool. Um, and I think right then I was pretty much into bodybuilding and CrossFit, kind of like a hybrid of them. And then, you know, years went on and I kind of transitioned from uh, really loving the Olympic lifts and CrossFit to then competing in Olympic lifting for a while. Uh, and then from there, I actually had a knee injury. I tore my meniscus and that was my first, I guess, bigger injury where I, you know, I had to get a, um, it scoped, which wasn't a huge deal, but it was the first time I ever was like, you know, put to sleep and had to come back from recovering for something. And during that time, I kind of wanted to switch it up. And that's when I started doing like old school workouts again, like flipping tires, using sledgehammers. And I just wanted to have fun. Like I just wanted to do something I could do. That, you know, my knee was okay. It wasn't bothering me. And that kind of segued into, uh, me doing strongman and there's a lot of stuff that happened in between that I'm just trying to sum it up for you guys um, but uh, you know so I did a bodybuilding show when I was 18 or 19 which was kind of cool and different uh, then I did multiple CrossFit competitions and Olympic lifting 
I total around uh, 345 kilograms. So that's over a 405 pound clean and jerk and a snatch. Uh, I think it was 345 uh, in pounds. And then in strongman, I had a really good run last year and I ended up going to the Ukraine uh, for Team Worlds, uh, which was really cool. So just trying to do that. In the meantime, you know, I run a business, a strength and conditioning facility called Alliance and and I'm just trying to grow my impact and influence with people around the world and help people out. Very cool, man. And I know we talked about you. You said you're probably going to do a powerlifting competition soon. Uh, what are your current best lists there? So best list in powerlifting realm. Uh, I just pulled 700 in October, which is a milestone for me. Uh, bench 417 and a half. And my squat 655. I just hit that a couple of weeks ago. Overhead press is around 275. Uh, yeah. So that's, those are the main lists for me right now. Very cool. So, uh, you know, I think strongman has gotten a lot more popular in the last few years. Uh, it seems like a lot more people are doing it. Um, and you see some crossover there. I think, uh, Larry wheels is going to be doing a uh, yeah. strongman soon. Mm-hmm. And then I think a uh, half Thor just did a powerlifting competition. Um, mm-hmm. so, I mean, what is it, do you think they're similar enough that somebody who's really good at one is going to be really good at the other, or are there certain aspects that allow somebody to be really good at one that maybe limits them in something else? Cause you do see that in like in bodybuilding powerlifting, sometimes the best powerlifters really don't make good bodybuilders and vice versa. Yeah. I think with strongman and powerlifting, um, if you ask any strongman, like they have to have a foundational base of strength, right? It is strongman, like first of all. So, uh, when you need to get strong, you have to do the main movements, which are the powerlifting movements. So, I feel like whether if you are a strongman, you have exposure to powerlifting. I think powerlifters, maybe if they haven't been exposed to strongman, have a nice base that would go well with strongman. Because if they're doing, you know, the deadlifts, the the press, you know, there's not many squatting events in strongman, but you want to have leg strength, you know, when you're doing a lot of the events. Um, but at the same time, too, like me having an Olympic lifting background, which is really nice as well, even if you just understand the basics of Olympic lifting and triple extension, uh, that has helped a lot in strongman, too. So it's kind of like this little triad where they kind of all play off each other. Uh, but I think the underlying biggest thing in strongman that I've had to realize is strength. You know, like you need to like I've been taking this whole last year just to increase my numbers. Uh, and I would say for some people who are maybe a little bit opposite of me, you want to still stay athletic. Uh, I think you're going to see a bigger wave of more athletic strongman coming into the picture. Like you got Larry wheels, who is just a freak of nature, uh, you know, who is an athletic dude and he's massive and he's super strong. And when you see sports, even like CrossFit, for example, uh, which is very aerobic based, but they're for their size, like they're really strong athletes as well. Now what happens if say, maybe you get a wave from CrossFit who want to start doing strongman. Cause I, I think I saw most of the strongman equipment I ever saw growing up with actually throughout my CrossFit kind of span when I was in there was there's always like stuff in the corner, but it was all strongman stuff. Um, so I think you got to give them a huge shout out for even just having it kind of in the back of your mind, like at CrossFit for doing that. Uh, but I think, you know, you're going to see more of a wave as it gets more popular. You're going to have some, some guys who are super athletic now with like the right programming to get really strong. Uh, they're going to be some secret weapons are going to be popping up, but I don't know if you, you – know, I think we met through Alan Thrall, and Alan Thrall knows Brian Alzer, and Brian Alzer is a really good friend of mine. You know, Brian is – I mean, you watch some of his videos. Like, that guy moves insane for his body weight. And when you start getting way more of those guys in Strongman, like, it's going to be really, really entertaining to watch uh, and pretty amazing. Yeah, I think with a lot of these strength sports, it's more cool seen as people – as it becomes more popular, you have people with better and better genetics kind of coming into it. 
Um, and, you, and you really see that expanding and you, like things that we thought a couple of years ago, nobody is going to ever be able to do. Now people mm-hmm. are just blowing past it. It's, it's kind of amazing to watch. Absolutely. So you touched on programming a little bit there. Um, can you touch on some significant differences, if there are them, um, for programming for strongman versus somebody who's maybe exclusively doing powerlifting? Yeah, so with uh, depends on, I guess, where they're at. Like any of this that I say is going to depend on the individual. So I can't really give like one great thing for, for all people. Uh, but I would say typically the way that I program is it depends on if I have a competition coming up and how I modify the programming as the competition approaches. So if I don't have a competition uh, anytime soon, I'm just trying to get as strong as possible. Uh, and that's going to be through the powerlifting movements or their variations, uh, playing with the volume, intensity, and frequency of the lifts. So that's kind of like what my offseason will look like. And if I'm really bad at some event, I'll put that in my programming just to stay fresh and keep it moving. So like for me, I don't like doing yoke walks. So I've been doing more yoke walks in the offseason, uh, you know, as I get closer because it's going to be something in nationals. Now, as I get closer to a competition, I'm going to specialize towards the events that I'll be doing. So, you know, that's what you'll see probably in the next like 20 weeks for me leading up into nationals is I haven't been doing, you know, many sandbag throws because that's what's in there or uh, many axle bar deadlifts or anything like that. Uh, But those are now going to start popping up in my programming as I get closer. So I like to like it's just any uh you know block periodization so we have like our developmental block just building strength and then as we go down that chain eventually we're going to have very specialized training uh for the competition and that's all i'm going to focus on just because if you start doing a bunch of different things that are in the competition right you're not specific now and if you're training for something you want to be as specific as possible to the event that you're doing sure Sure. and are there certain accessory lifts that you perform just for one versus the other um you know i think people are very familiar with the accessory lifts for powerlifting i don't know if i've heard too many accessory lifts for strongman i feel like almost like traditional lifting is the accessory for strongman yeah yeah uh actually something we were running the other day at a strongman class uh was stone hugs so a lot of times people aren't comfortable or they just haven't got enough exposure to picking up an atlas stone so depending on you know, where the stone is, if it's too far in front of you or too far behind you, that plays a big role in being able to pick up this big round object off the ground. So last night in the strongman class, we had everybody literally getting down into a deadlift position, hugging the stone and picking it up, uh, pretty much standing straight up and then back down to the ground, kind of working on like the back muscles and just getting used to, uh, you know, making sure they're keeping a nice, I would say stone path instead of bar path um, with the stone going up and down. Uh, But you can do stuff like that or just work on different parts of the, lifts that you're doing so maybe it's a log clean and press maybe you're just going to do a log clean and just get it up to your shoulders and then come back down uh which in itself is going to be a great movement to throw in so yet again it depends on the athlete what are their strengths what are their weaknesses uh but it could be even as simple as people aren't used to using the axle bar to press overhead because it's now two inches thick so if you're used to uh, pressing with a traditional barbell, which actually does have some whip in the bar, right? Now you have an axle bar. It's a stiff bar. It's going to be harder to press. There's different variables now. Um, so those are just accessory movements that anybody could throw in just to spice up their programming. Or if you are a power lifter, getting into strongman, that's going to be stuff that you want to get exposure to uh, to make sure that you can perform the best as possible. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, you have obviously you said an athletic background. Um, if you look at the injury rates for different sports, they're almost all higher than the lifting sports, you know, I think because there's a lot of like cutting in the field, um, you know, everything is very dynamic. 
Um, so when I think of that, I would think inherently strongman would have a higher injury rate because it's not always just a clean, you know, range of motion and things like that. Um, do you find that? Do you find people are getting injured more in strongman? Um, it's hard to say because I don't know the exact statistics of it. Uh, but I don't think it's still as bad as like soccer, for example. I think soccer is one of the worst ones out there. It is, yeah. Because of all the cutting. Um, and pretty much for strongman, it's very linear. So it's just forward and backwards or it's just stationary. And I think that plays a big role uh, on people not getting injured. I would say instead of uh, like bad injuries, like I know I've seen people, you know, tear their ACLs right in front of me playing football. Like go and just watch the guy run, goes for a cut, and then his knee just is, is done zone. I'm like, that's an ACL tear. Um, but strongman, I would say it's probably more like banged up necessarily, like bumps and bruises possibly. Um, but I would say in terms of like career, you know, all, awful injuries, I still think it's relatively low, mainly just because of it's either stationary deadlift or it's going to be, you know, front or, or back motion, not much cutting with heavy objects, which I think would just not be good if they started doing that, um, which they haven't. So I think it's, it's relatively, you know, safe, even though people do get banged up. Sure. Um, you know, when I think of the strongman, like we talk about programming a little bit with powerlifting, obviously a lot of people are used to maybe like a linear periodization. You start off with a certain weight and you keep going lower reps, higher weight. Um, you're, I don't know if you're changing the weight too much when it comes to strongman lifts. You're, I imagine you're kind of just practicing the same things over and over. So are you just increasing the amount that you're doing as far as a like volume as it gets closer to competition or, or how would you kind of periodize that specifically? Yeah, so uh, I'm a big fan, and I've learned a lot actually from uh, Alan Thrall. And when I was, you know, with Barbell Medicine, like they taught me a lot uh, on bettering programming. And I would say, uh, definitely as I get closer, is when I'm going to throw in more of the actual events and probably increase the frequency of them. You know, far out, I'm going to be doing less, um, but I, I still do think that there is going to be a progression of. Uh, you know, the reps and sets as, you know, I'm leading up and then uh, we'll taper down for like a low stress or a deload or whatever you want to call it um, as the, the competition gets closer. But it really depends on like, so for me, you know, I'm a pretty good presser. So for my confidence for pressing, it's going to be a lot higher than it is, say, for like a yoke walk. Cause that's like an event that I really do struggle with. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to program that like crazy because there's no reason to, or I don't want to, you know, sacrifice fatigue myself with a movement that I'm confident in where I can put that more into like the deadlift or the yoke. Uh, so that's kind of how I'll program, you know, leading into nationals, which I have in June. And then you're going to start seeing me probably do, like I said, more deadlifts, more yoke. Um, the pressing, I, I'm probably not going to do that much enough to where I'm not feeling rusty and, you know, just as much as I need, but I'm not going to overdo it because uh, I really need to put the emphasis in those other lifts to do the best that I can in the competition. Right, right. And when did you say you have nationals? Nationals is going to be June. I think it's the first weekend in June. It's in uh, Columbus, Ohio. I think right where the Arnold actually is every year. It's going to be pretty cool. Okay. Perfect. So do you put a lot of emphasis on nutrition and supplementation here? I mean, obviously, we have to eat enough, right? Like, that that's a, a key point to all of this. But as far as, you know, you see bodybuilders getting really obsessed with nutrient timing and macronutrients and things like that. Um, do you even bother with that? Or is it just kind of make sure you're eating a ton to recover? Yeah, so uh, I've made a huge change, I would say, in, um, what is it, like my body recomposition in the last year and a half, uh, which is really cool. When I was with Alan, I had actually worked with uh, the nutritionist for Barbell Medicine, Vanessa, too. And really, it was mostly for accountability. And I feel like if I'm going to pay for something, I'm definitely going to set my game up and doing it. And I also try to learn more. And 
she had me really on a strict macro regimen. So doing my macronutrients and, you know, there's people that if they're like, oh, if it fits your macros, well, yeah, technically you can kind of eat whatever you want as long as it fits your macros. Uh, but I'm a very, like, I want to get as high as quality of food in as possible too. So it's like, you know, a slice of pizza versus, you know, sweet potato. Like I'm going to be the sweet potato kind of guy, making sure I'm getting my protein. And one of the biggest things I realized was, one, how off my macros were all, all the time. Um, and, you know, what I was eating around my training wasn't where it should have been. And then my protein intake. So for me, I try to get in about 235 to 250 grams of protein a day, which is a solid amount of food uh, when you have it out in front of you. Like that's like a lot of meat. Uh, and then for my carbohydrates, I try to get, and this is actually funny because I've learned that, uh, you know, I'm, most people think I eat a lot more carbs than I do. I probably take in, about 250 to 300 grams of carbs. Um, and I know guys who are smaller than me that are taking like five or 600, which just kind of shows you everybody's going to be a little bit different. Um, but for me, centering my carbs around my training has made a big difference in my performance and even trying to, you know, get fuel in as I'm having longer sessions. Because if I have to do, say we work up to a top single at eight, and then we got to do five sets of six after that as back offs. And then we still got two other movements. You know, those training sessions are going to be long. So I want to make sure that I'm fueling myself throughout the training session, uh, really taking the time to see what I'm putting in my body and how my body is responding to it. Um, but really hitting those macros and dialing it in, you know, cutting out things like alcohol consumption, especially as I get into my prep, I feel a lot better, you know, mentally and physically, just cause that does take a toll on your body. You know, even just after the day that you think you're consuming it, like your body's trying to, you know, repair itself after that. Um, so, you know, I'm at the level where I really, want to pay attention to that kind of stuff, um, you know, and it's anybody's decision to do what they want to do if they're just recreational and they're just, you know, having fun. But for me, you know, I'm competing against guys that eat, sleep and breathe this. Like they're taking into consideration their sleep, their nutrition, their training. We're all putting out lots of money investing in, in this to, you know, do the best we can. Uh, so when you're at that level, for me, it's like those little things do add up. And, you know, I think a lot of people try to mask, um, you know, with just using supplements and not taking care of everything else where supplements do work, they're meant as supplementation and they do, you know, that little bit. So if you're doing everything else and taking the supplements on top that you should be or that you need to be, I do think that over time is going to add a little bit of difference to your performance. Um, and I've noticed that. So I'm like just trying to figure it all out the best that I can and make sure that if I'm going to hang with the big guys, like I got to be on my game all the time. Yeah, that's a good point you made because I think like we were saying how much this has changed in the last five to 10 years. And if you look even 10 years ago, uh, I'm a little bit more familiar with powerlifting than I am strongman, but I imagine it's similar because, you know, there wasn't as much of, you know, there wasn't such a big pool of uh, candidates. Sometimes the guys were winning in spite of what they were doing. You know, if you just had a complete genetic freak, he might win even if he wasn't really paying attention to his nutrition or sleeping or well or anything like that. But now everyone at the top has pretty damn good genetics. And so yeah. if you want to win, you have to have everything dialed in. And I've noticed that more recently. Yeah. Even in strongman is a really quick example. And, uh, you know, I kind of made this harder for myself was with an Olympic lifting background. Uh, I did lots of jerks. So split jerks and push jerks and, and strongman, when you watch people press, most of them either shirt press or push press. Now, if you know, to put the most amount of weight overhead, a jerk variation is going to be probably the best way to go if you have the technique to do it. So most of the guys, honestly, that I ever competed against in the last year and a half in strongman are all pound for pound stronger than me raw strength. Like they would beat me in their totals. Um, 
But me coming in, I'm like, how can I, how can I beat them? Like, what do I got to do? So I'm like, all right, I got to be more efficient. This guy's walking. Now I got to sprint. Like he's doing a, a press or a push press. I got to do a jerk. So when I started doing that, and I, I know there's some other famous strongmen that have done that, uh, but I'm kind of making it more mainstream, like teaching people how to jerk with the log, or I just set a record, you know, a couple months ago with the log and it was a split jerk. So in strongman, it's different because you can kind of do whatever you want. There's it's like that sport where it's like you can wear your, your whole suit. You can put as much wraps on or whatever. Um, so you got to use that to your advantage. And if it's there, you got to take advantage of it. And you can't say, oh, well, you know, he did it because it was a split jerk. Like, no, that's it's fair game, man. Um, but, you know, starting to do that and putting out the content that I do and teaching as many people as possible. I think I'm just making, you know, way harder on myself now. Now that if you guy who can push press 400 pounds, you know, now if you got him doing a jerk, like, I mean, that is easily going to be like 450. You know what I mean? So, um, like you said, it's just, you're going to get these guys who are on top of being genetic freaks are going to realize that there's going to be, you know, some sort of technique or method that's only going to make them better. They're going to start utilizing it on top of everything else. It's like, whew, man, this is, this is nuts. Right, right. And, and like you said, we kind of met through Alan and yep. he had talked to me about a little bit of your background. Maybe we can get into this a little bit more how, you know, for him, certainly and for you, I think a lot of these people we see on Instagram and YouTube, we see the success. Right. And we don't necessarily see the grind that it took to get there. Uh, and he had talked to me about how you had gone through like trying to start two different gyms um, and how there were certainly some lower points before getting to this higher at now. Um, so I don't know if you could kind of touch on that a little bit. And struggles <laughs> yeah. You went through there. Yeah. Uh, so the gym I'm at now is the Lions Den in Colmar. It's a 5,000 square foot facility. We actually redid it. And I've taken a little YouTube hiatus for like the last week and a half uh, for the gym remodel. I'm super stoked to put that video out because it looks just badass. And uh, I, I can't deny that there's a little flavor of untamed strength in here. And like never say athletics because those two guys are like my homies. Uh, I think we're around each other and we talk so much. It's hard not to have some sort of like brush off of them. Um, but yeah, this is like my bread and butter, my pride and joy. And years ago, I want to say it was like five or six years ago now um, when I, I quit working for that original job that I was doing uh, after college. And I got a job working at nine, nine to no, no, not nine to five. I was working 7 a.m. to like 7 p.m. building pools and working on pools all day. And if you were working 12, 13-hour days manual labor, when you get back home, I understand people where they're like, man, it's really tough to get in the gym. And I kind of fell into that little slump of like, I'd get back, I'd get on the couch, I'd eat, and I'd pass out, get back up, go to work. My training started slacking. So I said to myself, I'm going to set up a garage gym. So that way, right when I get home, I'm changing my clothes, and I'm just going to get out of the car. And even if it's like 30, 40 minutes, hit one left or something. I'm going to get it done just to be a better person and feel better about it. I started doing that. And over time, you know, people had been reaching out to me and, and they would see some videos I was posting. Cause I think is when the social media scene was kind of getting even bigger on like Instagram. So I posted some of my training and most of the stuff that was in the garage was makeshifts. You know, I'm finding car or a t- car tires on the side of the road. I was using chlorine jugs and filling them with stop or stones and rocks uh, you know, I, I started making some Atlas stones and just kind of finding mats, different places. So it was a really cool, uh, you know, little garage gym that I had set up and the people kept reaching out and eventually a little bit by little bit, I had some training partners come by and, you know, one person was, you know, two and then two was five and then five was like 20. And next thing you know, man, I'm like running up and down the streets in my neighborhood with Atlas stones. The kids are waving at me on the bus all the time. And 
I'm pretty much like convincing everyone in the neighborhood, like, don't let me shut this operation down. Like, let's keep this thing like under the radar. You know what I mean? And everybody was super cool about it, which was great. Um, but I really kind of had that moment where one, I was like, I'm running out of space Two, I definitely need to make this way more legit than it is right now. Uh, so, you know, from there, I just kind of had this vision of like, I'm, I want to slowly progressively try to work my way up and to where I can put myself in a position to eventually have a gym and open up a gym. And that happened, uh, you know, a couple of years later. And that was my first space, which was in uh, a main street in a town. So it was a retail spot, not industrial or commercial, you know, like, like I'm in now. Uh, but I, my thoughts going into that was that it was going to be on the main street of a town. There's going to be plenty of traffic. There was a train station right there and it was going to be awesome. Well, I spent the, the probably two or three months, you know, just myself and one or two other people and people here and there uh, coming in and, and getting this place ready to rock and roll. Super pumped. Have about 60 people uh, pre-sales, you know, signed up, which is just fantastic. And I think the square footage of that place was under 2000. I think with the basement included, it was 2000, but I want to say it was probably around 1400 and it was a rectangle, not a square. So it was kind of, was like a long hallway. Uh, and we, we got really amped up and I wanted to run like almost uh, like a couple of days before, like a pre-opening where people come in, check it out. We're going to do a fun workout and then we're going to launch it. Well, anyway, we have 10 people in there who are training and we're doing deadlifts. And as they go to pick up the bar, the one guy drops like 405. And I kid you not, dude, it was like an earthquake happened in the entire place. And I'm talking like things like it just sounded like the place was going to come down. And I'm like, what? Like, that did not sound good. And everyone's like looking at me because they're like, you know, waiting for my reaction. I'm trying to be cool. I'm like, yeah, dude, like I was fine. <laughs> you know, and then, uh, another one happens and I'm like, all right, this is not good. Um, anyway, I told him, I was like, guys, I just want to hold on for a second. Well, the part I left out was that we're next to a tattoo shop, which is tattooing people. At the same time, this building is just shaking out of control. And uh, I went next door and here like stuff was falling off their walls. You know, they're trying to tattoo people. And what, what it was is the industrial, I guess, you know, huge beam, I-beam that runs underneath the floor was kind of in between both of our places. And then with that, instead of it being like full, you know, hardcore court concrete, it was like 10 by 6 concrete slabs that were probably, you know, 8 to 10 inches thick. So it wasn't even like real concrete underneath, uh, which is all stuff you, you don't really see coming. And now, uh, you know, looking back, hindsight's twenty twenty, and, you know, it's all a blessing in disguise. But bottom line, like that place didn't work out. So, you know, sitting there with all the hype of 60 people getting ready to run a business, going from an ultimate high, you know, after quitting my job and like just being like, yes, like this is going to be amazing. to then being told like this isn't going to work. I mean, that was just like yeah, such yeah. A, yeah, it, was, it was hardcore, man. And I was sitting there as like, you know, I, I used to be depressed when I was a lot younger. And, and fitness has been a really big outlet for me. And I thought like, you know, not that depression goes away permanently for forever but like i thought i managed it really well and i mean that was just like all right a test um which you know i kept my spirits as best as possible i started hustling hard looking for another space and then i had found a space um you know a little bit down the road and just got excited for that go to open that one and then for whatever reason that one ended up not working out because the township and parking permits that we needed and it was like a you know, two months just debacle back and forth of me trying to get this thing running and then not working. So after that, man, I was like rock bottom. <laughs> like, 
I was sitting there like, I was like, I just don't even want to be alive right now. Like, this is so embarrassing. And I'll tell you this, though. Um, I don't want to trail too far off, but I had got on the phone with my best friend. And I remember talking to him. And I was like, dude, like, I don't think I'm going to do this anymore. And I was like, I think I'm just going to get a regular job. You know, I'm going to make decent money. And he's like, just shut up. He's like, if you don't do this, he's like, you will be a failure. <laughs> I remember I was like dead quiet on the phone. And he's like, you need to do this. Cause if you don't like that is when you fail. And I was like, you're right, dude. Like I just have to do it. Like whatever it's going to be, like I have to do it. And uh, literally like the next day, this realtor calls me. He's like, yo, he's like, I got one more location. Uh, I'll have to show you it late at night. And everything was like inconvenient about it. And I was kind of like, ah, like, I don't know. This guy showed me like seven properties. They all suck. But anyway, we show up and it's the gym that I'm in right now. And I'm like, what? Like, this is amazing. You know, and everything was just lining up. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta get this place. And within like a week, man, me and like two other people had this whole place up and running and open within like a week and a half, which was insane. Wow. It's like 14, 15 hour days, nonstop. Uh, and it's just been amazing ever since. So I'm super pumped that I, you know, stuck through it and I wouldn't be where I am today if I just like made that decision to quit or been surrounded with an amazing support group of people. Um, but yeah, so that was a long story. I'm sorry about that, but no, that's no, no. how we get this, uh, this thing going here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not only would you not be there if you, you quit, but you also wouldn't be there if the first one worked out. Right. Because this one's a lot bigger, I think from the square footage you were saying. Yeah. It's crazy. Like literally dude, every, it just, it was such a blessing in disguise. And I always say it to people too, like I got probably the most insane crash course in business and the consolidation of like three months that I think I ever will need in my entire life because through that, like I was learning how to uh, read lease agreements better, like going through line by line, like figuring out how to negotiate um, all the different things to looking for a business that you want, that you don't want. Like all like from that messing that up, you know, like it was such a blessing um, where now it's like, you know, any problems I have, like say, you know, the electric goes out here. I'm like, whatever, dude, like work out the dark. You know what I mean? Like it could be way worse. Uh, so it was just kind of a, a humbling moment for me uh, where it just really definitely opened my perspective up to a lot of different things. And it's helped me, you know, be a lot better with, with everything I'm going through now. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I'm glad you're open to talking about it. And it, it does when you when you go through something like that. Um, you know, like my brother and I both went through some pretty big things. And now we both said, like, if we walked outside and our car was on fire, it's like, yeah, it sucks. But like, things could be so much worse than that, you know, um, and having gone through that, I'm glad you talk about it also, because on Instagram, especially and on YouTube, you see, you know, the glory of all this stuff. And everybody seems like they're so happy. And, and like, you know, you talk about how you were depressed. And I mean, that's a reasonable thing to be depressed about, to have your dream twice in a row just kind of come crashing down. So that's awesome that it's worked out so well now for you. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, my whole, my whole thing, I think it still says in my Instagram, is like, I just want to be real with people. You know, I think you can go on social media and you can find just a highlight reel of everybody. And not to say I don't put up like, you know, my highlights and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's just like one like it's not real and people are there and then they get down themselves because they're just comparing themselves to others when really it should be like, yo, this sucked. And like, you know, I'm feeling it with you and this is kind of how I went about it and maybe it can help you. Or if you're going through this, like, just know it's going to get better. And I think like, you know, I was going through those times. I think it drove me nuts going on my phone. I went through a period where I got off my phone for like six months 
because I was just tired of seeing all this, this crap. And I was like, that's not the way it is. We're meeting people who were saying it was some way and it wasn't. So I'm like always vowing to just be real with people, uh, you know, tell them the truth. And just like, I'm like anybody else, man. Like I don't have this, this figured out. Like this is just a process of me getting somewhere. Um, you know, I still have everyday problems. I'm still trying to figure out, you know, how to keep making money and keeping the lights on and figuring out how to make video. Like, you know what I mean? So uh, I always am just like, you know, trying to be real with people and tell them the truth and open book that way. So, and it's really helped grow the brand. Honestly, when you are just vulnerable and tell people that, um, yeah, people respect that and they, you know, they learn to trust you because you, you like are just doing it out of the goodness of your heart. Sure. And, and with this, Jimmy, I think you're probably unique enough that you don't run into it too badly, but do you find a lot of competition with these, you know, these chain gyms where they're super cheap, you know, $10, $20 a month and everybody just kind of goes there with all the flyers and all that? Yep. No, uh, you know, I always look at myself, uh, there's a guy, Bedros Koulian, who I've listened to for a long time and he always talks about being a category one. Like all I do is focus on myself. I don't care about anything else around me and I try to be the best I can at what I do. And uh, I'm very open with people as well. So like if I get someone new who comes to my gym and, you know, I, I tell them like, I'm not a salesy person. I'm like, you're either going to love this place or you're not. And I'll know right away and you'll know right away. And if you want to be a part of this, that's awesome. Like we would love to have you. And if not, that's cool. Like there are so many people in this area. Like you think about it, there's, you know, tens of thousands of people to operate this gym. I need 70 people like out of tens of thousands of people, like there's a way that I can find 70 of those people to buy in to what I want to do and everyone else can still be successful. Uh, so that's kind of my mindset on it. And, you know, like, yeah, I'm starting my own brand, but I wear other people's t-shirts all the time. If I like something, I shout them out. Like that's just cause you know, I just think it's good karma and I think everybody can succeed. Um, so I don't really look at it that way and I don't really have much competition besides myself and, you know, looking at the numbers every year, like how can I improve or what can I change for the next year coming up? Um, you know, and I just try to look out for people too. Like I've sent so many people to other gyms of, you know, around here that I know the owners or I'll text, you know, one of them and be like, Hey, you know, I got a CrossFit dude here who really wants to be competitive in CrossFit. Like, obviously this isn't the place. Like, you know, if his right. name's blah, like, you know, I'm just sending him over to you. And I'd rather have, I'd rather have more friends than enemies. I'll put it that way. So I kind of just like to have my community of people, the people who love being here, you know, I don't get caught up in drama or whatever anywhere else and just focus on what we have within these doors. Very cool. So, you know, let's say somebody is seeing all this strongman stuff coming out. Do you have any particular advice for somebody trying to get started if they've just kind of followed the traditional lifting route? Yeah. So if you want to get started, there's two different routes you can go. I'd say there's the, the question I get or ask a lot is I don't have the equipment. You know what I mean? And my gym doesn't have the equipment. And I'm very sympathetic to people besides when they try to give me excuses. So I always say to them, you can make all that stuff. Like it's not hard to make a sandbag. It's really easy to get a squat sand and turn it into a yoke or, or whatever. Like there's ways around it. You know, people are always like, Oh, I don't have battle stones. I'm like, you're telling me that you don't have a park nearby with some big ass stones. Like my friend, I will fly over there and we'll find some stones. Um, so it's kind of just like, how bad do you want it? But then there are the other people who, We'll kind of do whatever it takes to get there. And I would say, like, you got to find that environment and that culture. You know, look up the gyms around you where maybe there's a gym. Like, we have people that come here just on Saturdays for Strongman Saturdays who travel, you know, an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, and I know Brian and Alan have really established that where people, like, will just flock to them 
because they've created that. So if you know of a gym in your area that you can get to to take it to the next level, or you know someone who's just simply better than you with the skills that you want, like go and talk to them, go and ask them how they got to where they're at. Like if someone came to me and said, you know, how'd you get to worlds? Well, all right, this is what I did over the last year and a half, you know, and if they're kind of like, okay, like I got to compete, you know, I really got to dial up my training. I got to do more strongman training. And it's like, if they can't get the implements, either make them or find the gym that you can get to. Uh, so those would be my tips to people uh, for that. And I think it's getting more popular. And I think there are a lot of gyms that, uh, like I said, even CrossFit gyms, you can even just stop in and just say, hey, do you guys got any strongman equipment here? Do you have open gym hours? Like whatever. Uh, and see if they'll just let you use their stuff. Or, you know, in the age of garage gyms that we got going on now, if you have the space, man, I think it's a great investment and always going to hold its value too if you want to get rid of it. Uh, but just buy some of that equipment to train at, at your, your own place. Cool, cool. So uh, I'd like to end on a quick speed round here so you can just give like a one word or one sentence answer. So what is your favorite strongman lift? Ooh, uh, Alistair's Stone Over Bar. Love it. Cool. Um, who's tougher, strongman, powerlifters, or weightlifters? Uh, strongman, for sure. And uh, number one most impressive lifter could be a, of any category. Oh, man, it's so tough, dude. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think Larry Wheels is a freak. Like, yeah. I can't deny that that guy is just a freak. Um, at the same time, uh, Brian Alger's my friend. And, I mean, I've been around that guy enough to see that, like, his explosiveness is just scary. And I don't mean to hate on Brian, like, right now, but, like, he's also older. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, to be at the level that he's at for the age that he's at is just a proof to all older people that, like, you can train and be a beast. And, uh, like, I don't know, man. I got so much respect for that guy. So I would say Brian Alzer, Larry Wheels, that would be a crazy fight to the death. That would be like like a T-Rex and, and like King Kong. Just <laughs> that'd be nuts. Awesome, Matt. So, uh, so you're Lions Den training. Um, you're on YouTube. You're on Instagram. Anywhere else people can find your stuff? No, yeah, just the uh, the YouTube, the Instagram. You can email me whenever Lions Den Elite Training at gmail dot com. You can send me uh, the DMs. I respond to pretty much every one of my DMs that I get. It may take a little bit of time, but I always get to them. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it, man. Cool. Thanks so much for talking to us. Oh yeah, absolutely, brother. Thank you.